Continuing on with our sermon series in Isaiah, um, we're having a look at uh, chapter 44, sorry, the kids' space, uh, for those who are out for the kids' space today, if you head to the back. As we carry on with Isaiah 44, uh, we're working our way through, and today we're looking uh, at the, the subject of the blessing, uh, how God blesses us. Uh, Isaiah the prophet, if you remember, he not only speaks to the time that they're living in, uh, he also speaks forward to the time that the Messiah comes, but also the time beyond that as well, which is the second coming of Christ. But he also speaks of a time of the coming of the Holy Spirit that we read about in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And that really picks, uh, that story picks itself up in chapter 44. At uh, the end of chapter 43, once again, is a bit of a reproach to the people uh, but the start of 44 is really God wanting to bless the people he, he understands what they're going through we know that they're coming going to be coming out of captivity and slavery uh, and exile and and they simply want to know that the God is with them all the way through everything that, that has to happen you know if today we talked about being blessed well, we would often think of being blessed as material things you know if I said to you this week, uh, somebody sent me a thousand pound in the post as a gift. You would immediately say, oh, you've been blessed. You know, nobody did send me a thousand pound in the post, but if they did, you would immediately think you were blessed. We would look at it and think uh, in relation to success or health or family. But the question we often have to ask is, does God's blessing only pertain to material things? That if we receive something, we're blessed, and if we don't receive something, that, that we're not blessed. And most of the scriptures associated with being blessed have nothing to do with material blessings. The, the, the majority of the time when blessing is spoken about in the Bible, uh, it, it's not spoken of as material things that we would receive things or, or, or other things. And here, Isaiah is sharing a message with these people that are ready to go on this journey. He's prophesying and speaking to, to the future. And we've got to remember the difficulties and the circumstances that they're in. And there's one thing I'm learning as we work our way through Isaiah, and it's this, as they face their difficulties, it's this, is trouble ground your faith in ways that prosperity and abundance never could. Uh, and that's very true of the Christian life, that troubles ground our faith in ways that prosperity and abundance never could. That doesn't mean it's not good to be prosperous and abundant, and doesn't mean that God doesn't want to bless us, but going through troubles and trials does give our faith a grounding, a foundation. Uh, those suffering and trials are not blessings in themselves. They are channels for God's grace which means in the difficulties that we go through and the trials and the troubles, they're obviously channels for God's grace. The people will often turn around and say, I can't believe God is, is making me go through this. So I blame God for, for what's happening. And, and, all, and people often say these things. And we must understand that they, these are not things that, that are blessings in themselves, but they're more the channels of God's grace. And God often works through our difficulties and our troubles and our trials to bring us blessings. You know, as fallen sinners, we deserve nothing but judgment. Uh, Reese touched on it at the table that simply the greatest blessing that we've received is that uh, we're saved. 
that, that actually from the lives that we used to live to the life that we've been given now through Jesus Christ. That's the, the greatest blessing that there is when we speak of blessing in the Bible, that simply he, he bore the curse and the punishment that, that was supposed to be ours. And we're blessed because we didn't have to take that curse or that punishment or that penalty because Jesus Christ took it on the cross with him. Uh, and so here we see that the people are not only going to be blessed because they're returning to the homeland, they're going home, but they're also going to be blessed by something much greater, which is the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Isaiah 44, verse 1 to 5, says this, it says, But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen, this is what the Lord says, He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you, do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on the hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. You see, the words of assurance continue here at the beginning of this chapter that we've spoken of in the last couple of weeks, that God has reminded them that he's chosen them, he's made them, he's formed them, he's helped them, he's made that statement again, telling them not to fear. You see, the future looked bleak for them for two reasons. And often we, we can think like this as well, is because if we're in a particularly uh, difficult situation, and maybe 2020, you'll relate to this because obviously 2020 you know has been uh, a bit of a stranger is probably the word that we would use um, and when we look at the future often what we see is we all we see is misery all, all, all we know is misery all we've tasted is misery and so therefore all the future is going to be is misery that's the way the people were seeing it here in this position because they felt that God had abandoned them and let them go and, and all of this. So whenever God begins to speak to them through Isaiah, they, they begin to just get negative. They say, well, all we know is misery. All we know is slavery. All we know is exile. And then the second thing that they could possibly think, and there will be people that think like this, is that even if we do find happiness, it won't last it's like the eternal pessimist, isn't it? He just simply turns around and says, I'm happy now, but it's not going to last. It's a good day today, but it won't be a good day tomorrow. And this is where they are looking here, and this is what, what they're happening to them. And it's often what happens to us as well when we look and we see uh, the future. And so God is reminding them, and he makes them this tremendous promise in the verse that we really our focus is on is, I will pour out my spirit upon your descendants, is really another prophetic reference in Isaiah to the outpouring of the, the Spirit. Isaiah is looking forward to a future time. At the moment, they're speaking to one nation. He says Isaiah is then prophesying because God is opening up his message to the whole world that Jesus the Messiah is coming for the whole world. As well as Jesus the Messiah coming, on the day of Pentecost, God will pour out his Holy Spirit upon the people as well. And who is this for? Well, it, well it's for everybody. It's not limited. It's not exclusive. And so this, again, is uh, another reference here in Isaiah to the outpouring of the Spirit. In 32.15, it says, Till the Spirit is poured out on us from on high, and the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. 
Isaiah 41 verse 18 says, I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. So we must understand that this pouring of water upon dry ground, the desert is clearly the expected outpouring of the Holy Spirit poured into transformed human hearts. Paul confirms this in Romans 5 verse 5 when he says this, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we see in the New Testament the fulfillment of what Isaiah is saying in the Old Testament. And that actually what God is going to do is simply pour out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit because our lives will have been so transformed. It will be the place that he comes to live within us. And this is the expected promise. It's the promise that's being made here by Isaiah to the people. He's almost saying this, it will be good to get back to your home country. It will be good to get back to the place you call home, but that's nothing compared to the expected coming of the Holy Spirit. He's comparing the two, it's not the same. He's saying they're thinking we're going home. But Isaiah is speaking to them of a greater promise, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into their lives. Why? Because really summed up, the Messiah came to be God with us. The Holy Spirit came to be God within us. But he tells us here that, that, that God is going to pour out his spirit. It's an interesting play on words because it doesn't say that God is going to give us his spirit. He's going to pour out his spirit. Now, he compares it to water. Now, if I was going to, in a sense, give you water this morning or pour out water to you this morning, I was going to, uh, I was going to do a demonstration, but I was worried about the electrics and I would be the sort of person that would pour water into one of the plug sockets or something. So if I was going to give you water this morning, you said to me, Matt, could, could you give me some water? I could take a bucket and I could take a teaspoon out of the bucket and I could just throw it at you and just say, there's your water. And you're going to be like, well, it's going to do nothing for me. And I say, well, okay, what I'll do then is a bucket here. And you say, oh, I need water, I'm hot, I'm roasting, I need some water. I could take a cup and then I could take that and then I could, that would be partly helpful and I could either throw it over you or you could drink it. But if I was to not give you the water, but to actually pour out the water, I could take the full bucket of water, walk over to where you're sitting and pour it over your head. Now, there was nobody brave enough. I realized my wife sits on the front row, so there was no way I was going to do that this morning. But simply, God isn't just giving us his Holy Spirit. He's pouring out his Holy Spirit. We often think very small terms are almost like it's like the teaspoon. God will just give us a little. He makes the promise here. He says, I will give, I will pour out on your descendants my spirit. Why? The Messiah was coming to be God with us. But Pentecost shows us that the Holy Spirit was coming to be God within us. And that's the place where God wants to live. You see, the, the ones in the Old Testament didn't have that. It's in totally New Testament thinking now that God is within us by the Holy Spirit. And it's the promise that is fulfilled there that Isaiah speaks about. You see, the purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was simply to establish the kingdom of God through the redemption of people and the empowerment of people. 
There are often so many things we relate to the Holy Spirit and talk about when it comes to the Holy Spirit and say, he's doing this and he's doing that and he does this and he does that. Listen, there are two things really that he does. The first one is this, he's involved in the redemption of people, which means it's how we get saved. That's, that's the, the real, that's the, one of the main things that he's doing. But when that happens and the redemption happens, which means our hearts are transformed, not by the choices that we make, but by God living within us, it then comes to the second thing that he does, which is he empowers us. See, when Jesus stands up in, in, and says to the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before he goes to heaven, he simply says his way in Jerusalem for the promise. What was the promise? The promise was the Holy Spirit. But he says, wait, because he will then empower you to be my witnesses. And what do you mean empowered to be? Well, empowered to go and tell the whole world about who Jesus is. That's the purpose, and we've often lost the purpose of that by some of the other stuff that goes on that we associate with the Holy Spirit, and it has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Listen, he's involved in the redemption of our lives and the empowerment of our lives. The outpouring is simply associated with this restoration, blessing, and fruitfulness. There is always a purpose to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Always a purpose to the outpouring of what God is going to do. He is not simply giving them his spirit. He is pouring out his spirit on them. And so the effect of this poured out spirit is life and identity of those who belong to God. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, if you read in the, the passages, if you read in the passage we've just read, it talks about another will write the Lord's name on his hand. Another will say that this is, I belong to the Lord. And the illustration that is being used of this, and, and we're not getting into an argument about, you know, tattoos or nothing, but what's happening here is this is how they, a slave would signify who he belongs to by taking the mark of his master. And so maybe he would get a tattoo that says the name and stuff, and he would put the name on the thing. And, and this is what Isaiah is simply thinking about. Here he's thinking about this, that they are, they are associating themselves with God by taking the name of the Lord almost as a tattoo on their hand. And uh, other people would do it, soldiers would do it, uh, in sort of a reverence to the general who was leading them. They would simply say that, that you know, they would put you know, the name of the general or the leader of the army on the armor on the hand to associate with the person that was leading them and Paul uses this here because he wants them to understand this point he wants them to understand when the spirit comes he says not only will they redeem you and empower you but he will deal with the identity problem of who you belong to and simply that you belong to God now, remember we talked in previous weeks about one of the great truths that Isaiah was sharing was who we belong to. Well, I am his. I am his. And this is just a way of them expressing it and saying that I belong to God. That I, I will write the Lord's name on my hand, he's saying. I, I would declare that he is, he is mine. 
Because God is saying this is how they associate themselves with their identity. It moves into the New Testament when Ephesians 1 verse 13 to 14 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That verse tells us two things about identity and belonging. Paul is sitting there and he's thinking of the, the letters that were written on the papyrus and important people would write the letters, they would roll it up, they would melt candle wax. Instead of a signature, they would take a stamp and they would stamp the candle wax and the candle wax would go hard. And Paul is looking at it and saying, that's the seal, the promise that you have received when you got saved, when not only were you redeemed and bought by Christ on the cross, but now empowered. And so this seal shows who you belong to. But he goes one step further when he simply says, it's the promised Holy Spirit who is the deposit. You know, when you go and buy something, you go buy a settee and they say to you, you know, settees a thousand pounds. So they say, put a deposit down. What does deposit do? It, it, it keeps the settee for you until payment in full has been made. Now we know as far as our sin, payment has been made in full. But it talks about here, it says the future of simply us, which is for his glory, which is though we are here now, the future of our glory, which is for his glory, is where we will end up when we pass on from this world. That's what it's saying there, identifying with who God is. God has given us his seal, his deposit, the promised coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's who we belong to this morning. And all of this is being written 700 years before the Messiah comes. Isaiah is speaking of this when he says, I will pour out my spirit upon your descendants. Because in these chapters in Isaiah, he's not talking to just one group of people anymore. He's talking to everybody. And imagine at that point in Isaiah 44, verse 1 to 5, that we would be remembering it Sunday, 27th of September, 2020, in a church in Belfast, reading that, thinking, we are who he was speaking about. We are the ones that he was talking about. We are the ones that he was talking about when he said about pouring out his spirit upon us. And we see that the result then of this outpoured spirit is this. Fears are removed, longings are satisfied, and thirsts are quenched. This is what's going to happen to them when they understand that the Spirit has come. This is what has happened to us because the Spirit has come. Not just necessarily to make us feel good, but actually to do something secure and permanent as a deposit, guaranteeing when it says our fears are removed, do not fear, I am with you, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you. Longings are satisfied. They had spent years looking for the reason why life was, what life was about. And suddenly God is showing them in this passage, where God is showing them through Isaiah that your longings are now satisfied. It's all about a life with me, God. And then he says that the thirst are quenched. Because you know what it's like, and I'm feeling that a little bit this morning. You know, there's really hot days, and it's absolutely roasting outside. 
uh, and all you want is, is to go to a fridge or a shop and you take out the coldest drink that there is and it satisfies your thirst just for that moment and you think at that point there's nothing better than this drink because it quenches my thirst, it, it's cold, it gives me everything I need for this moment. Jesus in John speaks about a living water that quenches your thirst permanently, not just temporary, not just one that takes away your thirst for a moment, but one that takes it away forever. That's the result of the outpoured Holy Spirit in the raising up of God's children. This is what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. You see, the Spirit of God produces hope within us from the Word of God because we are the children of God. And so we come to, to, to what Isaiah is really pushing for here, what he's really telling us about the work that the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. And the, the first thing we know, we've seen that he will transform us, he will change us. We are transformed, changed from one thing into another, moving from darkness into light. He will dwell within us. He will live within us, as we've said. The, the, the Messiah is God with us, but the Holy Spirit is God within us. And then he will give us, which is the empowerment. This is the blessing that they have to look forward to as a people. It's a blessing that we have received. And, and it's why it's called in Isaiah 44, the, the blessing. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at the assurance, the one who loves us, and now we're finished with the blessing, and we're moving on next week, missing a few chapters till we get to the, the suffering servant and what Isaiah says about Jesus. But these passages in Isaiah 40 uh, to 44, they're important for us to understand. There's a message for us today about the assurance of God uh, and how he loves us, but also what he's blessed us with today. You know, as the team come up, they're going to finish with a song. Um, and because we've spoken on the blessing this morning, there probably is only one song we can finish with, and it's called The Blessing. And, and there are words in it that I just think, and it, it's not really at the start of the song, but certainly towards the end of the song, when it simply says, may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you, he is with you. He is with you. And this is a promise that Isaiah is speaking to the people that God has given him. The outpouring of the Spirit will come, and it will mean that God is not some distant God to them anymore. He's not some distant God to us this morning. That he's before us and behind us and within us. And he leads us and he guides us and he upholds us and he strengthens us. And you see, we may look this morning, as I said at the start, and thinking being blessed by God is the material stuff that we can accumulate. If we never accumulate any material stuff, God has still blessed us beyond more than we could imagine in everything that he has given us because it's not about the material stuff. It's about his presence, his redemption, the outpouring of his spirit, his love, his mercy, his grace, his transformation of our lives. That's what it means, I believe, this morning to be blessed by God. Let us pray. Father, we, we thank you. Father, we don't want to just associate being blessed by you with the material stuff that we can accumulate. 
but we are blessed this morning because we are here. Father, those of us who are saved know you personally. Those of us who are saved have experienced the power of the forgiveness of sin because of what your Son has done for us. That you have been merciful to us. You have been gracious to us. You have loved us when we didn't love you. You have poured out your love upon us. You have given us everything that we need. And God, we are blessed this morning because of that. Before we even begin to think of the stuff that we have, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. And God, we are blessed this morning because you have poured out your spirit and your spirit lives within us. And it guides us and it leads us and it transforms us. It has redeemed us and it empowers us to do the work you've called us to do. And Father, we say thank you for that this morning. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for blessing us. In Jesus' name.